Are we willing to take a stand on our street, our neighborhood, by putting up a sign in our yard declaring uh, support for unborn children? It might be uncomfortable, but if you won't speak up for them, who will? Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer, and I'm really excited that you are joining us today. Now, today is a bonus episode. We do bonus episodes when a topic isn't directly in our plans. Okay, I have a group of women that I meet with and we kind of talk through the year, and um, we didn't have this one on our schedule this year, but this is one that we need or we want to get out to you, this particular episode. So today's bonus episode is a super important topic. And I will say also that Unshaken, every podcast kind of has a background for why they're out there. There's podcasts that talk about how to organize your house, right? There's podcasts that talk about politics. And we really don't talk about politics on this particular episode or on this particular podcast. We talk about things related directly to the Bible. But the interesting part is today we're going to blend those two because we're actually going to talk about a topic that as I started thinking about it, I felt like it was extremely political. And I thought, oh, I don't know. Should we put this on the podcast? I had a listener reach out to me and say she wanted to hear something on this. You know who you are. Um, and, But then as I got thinking through this, I realized that this topic actually isn't political at all. Well, it is political. But it's really biblical. And I think that's going to be really important. We're going to talk today in this bonus episode about the January 21st which would be this month, this year, 2024, which is Sanctity of Life Day. And we're going to talk about this and why it's important to a Christian and some practical ways to stand for this biblical direction in our everyday lives. But before we do that, let me introduce to you my guest, Rhonda Hirely, who is a perfect person to talk to about this topic because um, there are many reasons, but one of them is she's just really passionate about this. And I know that, and I'm really excited to have you on, Rhonda. I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Julie, thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this special episode. Yeah, I'm excited. I always ask my guest um, a few questions right off the bat. and but, but first, why don't you tell me a little bit about who you live with and what you do all day? Um, you can even tell me a little bit about the few that don't live in your house anymore, because I know there are some. So go ahead. <laughs> I am a full-time wife and mom of eight children, ranging from the ages of 10 to 25, um, with all the various hats and jobs that that entails. Uh, we've been blessed with four sons and four daughters, Our and our first daughter-in-law joined our family last year. Mm, it was a beautiful wedding. Thank you. Um, our oldest three children have left the nest, and we have five still filling it. Mm -hmm. Beyond my responsibilities at home, I've been blessed with the opportunity to assist with various fundraising projects and volunteer at the school that four of my children attend. Um, I am blessed also with the opportunity to assist the pro-life outreach at the Toledo Abortuary and seek to offer help and other alternatives to the moms entering the facility, mm. sometimes in person and sometimes I'm able to help remotely. And that's actually why we asked you to do this topic, because you're like, hands are in this heavily doing things and you know a lot. I don't know how many times I've seen you at church and you're handing out signs. We'll talk about that. But will you put this in your yard? Will you put this in your yard? So we're going to get there. So, but before we do, Rhonda, one thing I know about you and your family is you have taken some pretty amazing trips. So tell me a little bit about, you know, it's, it's January. 
and we're probably all wanting to go on some vacation somewhere, right? Tell me about your favorite one or two. Like, where did you go? Who did you go with? How did you decide where you would go there? Like, and what did you even do when you were there? Um, We have been blessed with many opportunities to travel around the country. Um, We plan about a year to even two years out in advance as to where we want to go. We enjoy um, visiting national parks around the country, and we use our frequent flyer miles and hotel points to get um, to make it affordable for our family. My husband, Jeremy, um, once we select our location, uh, plans the outings with um, longer and more challenging hikes for our older children and smaller hikes or creek side water activities for me to hang out and just watch the younger kids. Um, I love that. <laughs> and then um, I become the booking agent um, for most of the hotels and lodging along the way. And he just tells me where we need to stay. And, mm-hmm. and he um, sorts it all out and, and picks out the fun adventures. So this sounds like your hobby. It, it is sort of my hobby <laughs> and to yes. see how affordably we can do it. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. my goal. Um, and we... We'd load up the 15 or 12 passenger van, depending on what vehicle we owned at the time, um, and head westward. We've taken three trips um, westward. Uh, one of my favorite trips we have taken is what I call our northern western trip. I love that you have names for these. <laughs> <laughs> and it included stops at the infamous tourist traps. Um, we like those kind of cheesy stops, like the <laughs> Corn Palace. My and mom has been there. It is a, a you know... It's we actually just cool. Like those, yeah. well, we think it is. <laughs> okay. You know, not it's not for everybody, I'm sure. But when all the decorations are made out of corn parts and oh my goodness. all of that, um, and it's in the middle of nowhere, it makes a good bathroom stop if yes. nothing else. Yes. Um, wall drug, um, numerous national parks, and this one um, we stopped at the Badlands and the Tetons. Mm. I love the Tetons and Jackson Hole there out west, um, Yellowstone Glacier National Park. Um, and all 10 of us were able to go on this trip. That's so cool. Um, we have now downsized to a minivan, and vacations are when we really miss that larger van. <laughs> but that's okay. That's a side note. Um, Keep your big van, right, if yeah, you have yes, one. <laughs> yes. It makes traveling much easier. Um, but in Jackson Hole near the Tetons, we um, were able to attend a rodeo, and the kids were able to try out their bull riding on a mechanical bull. And Super my, cool. Yeah. My son, um, he held on. The lady was not able to shake him off. Um, and we learned later that, and she she let him try multiple times um, because he wasn't able to be shaken off. Huh? Um, but we had learned later that he could have ridden a real bull in the rodeo if we would have been there early enough to sign him up. Oh, that would have um, been so cool. He would have really enjoyed that. But uh, we didn't know until it was too late okay. to enter. Um, a cowboy chuck wagon dinner at the Bar J Wranglers um, was another highlight of that trip. They would sing about possum smoothies oh, as you're eating your cowboy um, dinner. And, and the kids were singing. We bought the CD and they were singing the songs with the humorous oh. lyrics the rest of the trip. That's so funny. Um, one of the ways that we pass those many hours in the vehicle is listening to Adventures in Odyssey and Ooh. the Chronicles of Narnia and all of that mm-hmm. and play road games. Um, our second son, Caleb, at that time um, insisted that the number 41 was the rarest number in the world. Oh. There was no convincing him otherwise. So we okay. played a game called The Hunt for 41, the rarest number in the world, and we <laughs> still tease him about that. He has <laughs> since realized that 41 is just as common as any other number. Oh, that's hilarious. I love that. So anyway, um, another family, favorite family destination is Alaska. Um, we mm. were able to take our four oldest in 2010, and then Jeremy and I were able to go there 
uh, to celebrate our 25th anniversary. And then some of our kids are going actually this summer with us back wow. there. Wow. So. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to join the Hirely family from now on and go on these vacations with you. Can I just pop in the back seat? Nobody sure. will know. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> and another little unknown note is that Rhonda and I actually have something very, very similar to each other, and that is that we got married on the same day. And I think we figured out it was about the same time. I believe so. I yeah. think it was. So yeah. that's kind of, but I didn't know you then. Thank you. So that's kind of fun to think back. We were both getting married, and who knew that we'd be together? you know, as friends. Yeah. That's just weird. But every single year on my anniversary, usually Rhonda remembers before me to send me an email or a text that says happy anniversary. And so I need to get better at it. But anyway, so I'm going to say it now. Happy anniversary for this <laughs> year. You. Okay. Then we're, then I'm, I'm ahead. Um, okay. With all that fun aside, I do want to say that we're going to be talking about a pretty important topic. Um, I do encourage you to listen. And I, I th was thinking about the women who would be listening to this topic. And I was thinking about all the different varying women that listen to this podcast. We have women who are um, maybe in the empty nest phase. This is a great way to use your, your time, you know, to be serving in this way. You might be a busy mom and you may not be able to go do what some of the things we're going to talk about, but you can be in prayer. And maybe you're a young, a young girl um, a young woman in high school or college. And this is going to be a great episode for you too, because there's a lot of factual information we're going to talk about. So I am excited to hear about this for a lot of reasons. Um, okay, so let's just jump in. So let's start with what actually even is the Sanctity of Life Day. And is it like a national day? Like what's the history, Rhonda? In 1984, President Ronald Reagan issued a proclamation declaring January 22nd Sanctity of Human Life Sunday that year. The timing of the remembrance coincides with the Roe versus Wade decision that was made on January 22, 1973. Hmm. President Reagan was a strong pro-life advocate who said that in Roe versus Wade, the Supreme Court had struck down our laws protecting the lives of unborn children. Hmm. This remembrance has been held annually by the pro-life community to help bring awareness to the millions of lives lost by abortion. Prior to Roe versus Wade, um, that the Supreme Court a decision that was made in 1973, each state had decided the legality or illegality of abortion. Hmm. The Roe, individual by states. Individual by states. Okay. Yes, it never was illegal across the U.S., Okay. Um, which is a misconception that is often portrayed okay. by the pro-abortion community. Um, the Roe versus Wade decision invalidated state laws on abortion and made abortion legal in all 50 states. Hmm. Norma McCorvey was the Roe in the case. She was expecting her third child and was solicited by an attorney, Sarah Weddington, who was seeking a pregnant woman who wanted an abortion. She found in Norma a white, young, lower social class woman who fit her criteria for the case. Mm -hmm. By the end of the case, Norma had already delivered her baby daughter and had selected to give her up for an adoption. Wow. She didn't actually even she want to go through with an abortion or uh, something changed. Well, it wasn't legal by the end of the case. Oh, got it. So, okay. um, she, had, she had delivered her baby before the case had been decided. Got it. Okay. Harry Blackman, one of the Supreme Court justices in the case who was in the majority side that had voted to legalize abortion in all 50 states and take away the um, state's rights to decide, said, we need not to resolve the difficult question of when life begins. 
when those trained in the respective disciplines of medicine, philosophy, and theology are unable to arrive at any consensus, the judiciary at this point in the development of man's knowledge is not in a position to speculate as to the answer. Whoa, okay. Do we just give a license to kill mm. under the guise of we don't know? Mm. Would it be would it not be wise to err on the side of caution when dealing with life? Um, but that is the opposite of what they did. Mm. Um, it is now clear beyond any doubt that life does begin at conception and taking a life in an abortion is murder. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the overturn of Roe versus Wade by the Supreme Court in June 2022 with the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization case did take away the national right to abortion, but it sent it back to the states as it mm. was before Roe versus Wade. Okay. And so each individual state either establishes or reestablishes their laws regarding abortion. That is why the pro-abortion lobby has pushed so hard and is pushing so hard to enshrine in the state constitutions um, the right for what they call reproductive freedom, which mm. is expanded. Those that terminology goes beyond just abortion, right? Right. Um, so oh, it touches on a whole bunch of stuff. Yes, and Michigan and Ohio are two of the recent states who have had ballot measures um, putting forth this so-called right to reproductive freedom in their state constitutions, and unfortunately, it has passed mm. and been ingrained in their constitutions, making it much harder to regulate and restrict abortions in um, those states. Mm. Um, California and Vermont are two other states who have also followed suit, and there are others um, states that are trying to in put the works it, now. Yes, yeah. So this is a really important and pertinent topic. Um, you know, I was thinking as you were talking how I didn't know most of like the legalities and the as you walked us through kind of the timeline. Really important to know that. Really important to understand where that's coming from. When I was um, in junior high and high school, my mom was our county's right to life president. I remember handing out pamphlets all over the local fair. I walked in a parade. We pushed empty strollers to symbolize the many. Each one stood for so many, and we had little signs in there, babies that had been murdered. Um, I remember helping stuffed envelopes at our dining room table, that were things we were sending out. She had a bunch of other people. She and a bunch of other people all went to march on Washington, D.C., for important events and rulings in Congress. Okay, so we also went to our state capitol for a Right to Life convention. I was part of the teen Right to Life then and attended. And one of the things that was pivotal for me in understanding the issues in the pro-life movement was actually knowing what happens in an abortion, like really knowing what happens. We, at that time, watched a movie called Silent Scream, which was narrated by an obstetrician as he chronicles what would happen in a real abortion. And let me tell you, that was life-changing for me. Absolutely. Very, very difficult to watch. Um, but I know that many who are listening may not know what actually takes place in an abortion. And I think we have to start there. So Rhonda, what is an abortion and what happens in an abortion? Abortion is the intentional and unjust killing of an innocent unborn human being at the most vulnerable stage of development in the most barbaric manner imaginable. Mm. Innocent as far as not having done anything deserving the death penalty. Each human does have a sin nature, and I'm not denying that. Absolutely. Um, this side of the fall. That's a good point. Um, abortion is the dismembering, decapitation, disemboweling, starving, or suffocation of a child. Hmm. Um, 
what happens in an abortion? A child dies. Depending on how old the child is from conception determines the mode of execution used to snuff out the life of the baby. Abortion methods begin with the medication options. From the birth control pills, other abortifacients, to Plan B, the morning after pill, or the abortion pill that does not allow implantation of the conceived child or starves the baby who has implanted inside the womb, thus killing the child. Surgical abortions are done after nine weeks and six days of age and are done by tearing apart the unborn child to remove the body from his or her mother's womb. Hmm. Sometimes a saline solution is injected into the womb to burn the baby to induce death first. If the baby is older, there might be an injection done to the baby's heart to stop the beating, and then dismemberment begins. Mm. Putting a face on abortion by showing the victims of abortion and the aftermath of abortion, whether by photo or video, is one of the most effective ways to combat the belief abortion is just a medical procedure, as you yourself testified to mm-hmm. in the sil- uh, regarding the silent screen. Yeah, you know, something interesting in how I'm listening to you talk about this is how, how our world wants to soften this and make it so they make it into a medical procedure or we need to have, you know, reproductive rights, for example. That softens what that actually happens in this abortion. So I think it's important to remember that. And, um, you know, I have heard this phrase, though, in the right to life movement. And actually, you mentioned it earlier, as you shared, that life begins at conception. And I think that's another piece we have to talk about because, it's very easy to re- see a woman who's pregnant and think, oh, she has a baby inside of her. But sometimes we are not there yet. So what does this mean when we talk about life begins at conception? A completely new human being is created when the egg and sperm come together. The baby is not a fertilized egg. There is no egg or sperm any longer. The Lord has miraculously created a new human being at this very moment. Hmm. This child has a unique DNA code completely separate from his mother and father. The only difference between this baby and another human at any other stage of development is the size, level of development, environment, and degree of dependency. The acronym SLED, S-L-E-D, helps us remember these four differences. So that's the, the first letters of each of those four things. What were those four things again? Size, level of development, environment, and degree of dependency. I think makes me think that how often the world also softens this piece by saying it's a fetus. Yes. Yeah, instead of saying that it's a baby. It's interesting. Does the size of a human make them more or less valuable? Mm. Is a six-foot, four-inch person more valuable than a person who is four-foot, one-inch just because they're bigger? Mm. Is a two-year-old toddler less valuable than the bigger, taller 16-year-old and thus can be killed? No. The unborn child is fully human, created in the image of God, and no less valuable because they are smaller than a newborn, two-year-old, or 56-year-old. Or 98-year-old. Or 98-year-old. I mean, this actually is, we're not going to get into that side of this topic, but it goes on the other end of life, too, which is its own podcast episode, but okay. Um, And then looking at the level of development, does the level of development make someone more Mm. or less valuable? Is a 24-year-old more valuable than the 12-year-old because they are fully developed and can think more critically? Or the 12-year-old more valuable than the 4-year-old? Or the one-month-old more valuable than the unborn child? No. The terms, as you stated before, zygote, fetus, 
infant, toddler, child, adolescent, and adult are all just different names for different stages of development Mm. of the human being, not a different level of humanness or value. Degree of development does not determine worth and value. Hmm. Yes. Good points. Does the environment of a human make them more or less valuable? Is the person who's in the airplane more or less valuable than the person swimming in the lake? Or the baby cradled in her mother's arms compared with the baby being cradled in the womb? Do the seven inches of the birth canal change the value of a person and the one not down the birth canal? Does that give us the right to kill them? Hmm. The answer is no. The environment of the unborn child in the mother's womb does not make her less valuable than the infant in her mother's arms. The seven inches down the birth canal does not change the value of the child. Environment does not change and determine the value and give anyone the right to kill someone just because the environment is being controlled by someone else. Hmm. The D in SLED is degree of dependency. Does that determine the value? Hmm. Is an 80-year-old grandma who is dependent on oxygen less valuable than the spry 26-year-old who is running marathons? Is a 12-year-old more valuable because they are less dependent than the 2-year-old toddler? No. Right. right. The unborn child is no less valuable than the other humans because they are more dependent upon their mother in whose womb they are. Yeah, I I think all of what you just said, I, I really love how you split that up. Was this that your idea? It is not. Okay, well, it is a common yeah, um, tool, argument tool yeah. in the pro-life community yeah. to make it. To go through that because there. the reality is we actually have to go all the way back. And that's really where we have to start is life does begin at conception. And I like how you walked us through all those pieces because we need to remember that life is valuable no matter where it is or, or, or who has life, right? Yes. Um, one thing we always do on this podcast is we always try to ask, what does the Bible say about this topic? So this topic, which, like I said earlier, is a political topic, but also I'm learning it's quite biblical. So what does the Bible say about abortion and these pro-life concepts? Um, I don't even think these words are in the Bible, right? Correct. The word abortion is not in the Bible. Um, The word of God is um, the basis for our beliefs and actions, and um, the value of life is in the womb is addressed. Mm. Um, Genesis one twenty seven tells us that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Mm. Just being created in the image of God gives us value and worth. Even though we are disfigured in our image bearing this side of the fall, our value is rooted in being created in his image. Mm. It is also... Um, if we look at Christ's sacrifice for our sins, he didn't die for an oak tree or a bird or any other part of creation. He died to redeem humans alone. Mm. That also gives us worth and value. Absolutely. Um, Scripture clearly tells us that God has created us and knows us from the moment of conception. Um, In Psalm 139, you will hear this often in the pro-life community, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. It's not an accident. He knit us together. Mm. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together. There is a design there um, in the depths mm-hmm. of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Hmm. And in Isaiah 49, 1, the Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named my name. Hmm. Not only has the Lord knit each one of us together in the womb, so personal, um, he knew us. He hmm. he knew our name. Um, children are a blessing and a reward. Um, ch- in Psalm 127, children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring are a reward from him. Is that our outlook? Hmm. Um Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Um, so scripture tells us that we were knit together. Yeah. We were created from that moment of conception that children are a blessing. And we are also commanded in Exodus 20, you shall not murder. Hmm. Abortion is the intentional and unjust killing of an innocent, unborn human being at that most vulnerable stage of development in the most barbaric manner imaginable. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible does not need to list out every imaginable way someone could be murdered. Right, right. You shall not murder. Abortion is murder. And so that the fact that murder is forbidden covers all the methodologies of murder. Right. And so the taking, the purposeful taking of life at any point is murder, no matter their age or location. And that, all of what you just said, helps us realize that this kind of hot topic of abortion and the pro-life movement, movement actually is listed in places in the Bible, right? Okay, we said it's, it doesn't say abortion, right? It doesn't say the pro-life movement or name our congressman in the Bible, but it does tell us how God made us. I love that. I have heard some concerns people have, and I think it's important to kind of walk through these and talk about how we as believers should respond to these and what we should believe. Because sometimes we're caught in a conversation like, I don't know, at the park or at our, in our, you know, by the water cooler at work, and we need to know how to how to talk through this. One that I hear a lot, a lot is what about someone who is young? And she's pregnant, or she just can't handle to deal with this pregnancy. Maybe she's 14, 15 or 16. Like, what do you what do you think? This how does this fit into this whole piece? I'll be honest, it doesn't really matter what I personally think. Okay. What does matter is the truth and what God thinks. Hmm. And that goes back to the scriptures that we just read. Children are a blessing from the Lord. And no matter what situation has brought about the conception of this child, this child is a blessing that the Lord has given. Hmm. Um, We just celebrated a short time ago the birth of Christ this past Christmas. And most likely, Mary was about this the age that you listed when she was blessed with becoming the mother of our Savior. She was in a very challenging situation. Yes. Yes. Being young, engaged to a man, pregnant with a child who was not the child of her fiancé. Would you have advised her in the compassion of the day to seek an abortion? She could have. Mm-hmm. No one would have ever had to know, and she could still marry Joseph and move on with her life. Mm. This child is also a human being, the child in the womb of the 14, 15, and 16-year-old. No matter how challenging the situation, as I said, it does not give us the right to kill this child out of right. convenience. We are commanded, going back to God's word, you shall not murder. Mm. <laughs> um, this mom 
has many options available to her. Even though in the midst of the emotions and seemingly insurmountable challenges, there are thousands of families on waiting lists Mm. waiting to adopt a baby. If she doesn't feel she can raise a child right now, um, you can, she can go through the mountains of the profiles and select a loving family for her baby. Even select mm-hmm. a family who will keep in contact that she can, if she wants an open adoption, she right. can have right. that and There's continue con- contact. Yeah. If she doesn't want to continue contact, she can select that. There are so many different choices she would have. There are also, if she chooses to um, keep the baby um, and raise that child, there are also many resources for financial aid, housing, medical care, food. Um, available to her through private and public funding. There are parenting classes available through area pregnancy resource centers if she chooses. Um, why would we pressure this young mom to go through an even more traumatic experience of becoming the murderer of her own child hmm. on top of the adventures of becoming a, a parent right. um, and caring for a child. Often the hardest things we walk through become the biggest blessings in our life. And that makes us lean on the Lord yes. for his strength and realize we need his strength. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love this piece that you talked about when you talked about the options that a girl might have. I, I mean, I think um, it's important to talk about that we, and we're going to talk more about what we as a community, like what your church can do. But I was, we're going to put on this particular episode, our tiny tidbit is on a particular piece focused on fostering, which we are actually going to do a whole episode on that coming up in, oh, in the fall of 2024. I don't remember the date, but we've got it planned. It's on our schedule because that's another piece of this, taking care of the children in our community. And today, it is important to know that we can, there's things we can do. We don't have to be the one to adopt, but we can do a lot of things. And I I love those pieces that you gave us. There's options. There are options. We just need to help that girl find the resources that are already available. Okay, here's my next question, um, which I've heard this one too. What if it's known that this child has some sort of like deformity or developmental problem? You know, some probably would say um, that it is more kind I don't know if that's the right word. More kind to not bring those children into the world if they will grow up and we will know they'll have a mental challenge or some sort of a physical deformity. You know, like they, you know, like it would be it would be kind of us to not allow them to come into the world. What do you think? Um, what a blessing the children who simplify the world for us are. Children are a blessing from the Lord, as we've stated again, um, time and time again. The world tells us we need to have this Pinterest perfect life. And that is not a reality. Do we murder someone just because they don't meet our standard of what we want or someone is inconvenient? We all have challenges and struggles. Some are more visible than others, Hmm. but the Lord has knit us to that child together and placed him or her in our, your family. What a precious gift that you've been given if you've been entrusted with one of these special children. Mm. We are called to trust and follow him no matter the number of our days, no matter if that child is born and dies within hours. Right. Who is it that gave us the right to take that life and decide how long that child will live? Mm. Just because the child is going to die or might be a burden, we are all going to die. Mm-hmm. So does that give us the right to kill any other person because they are going to die anyway at some point? Mm. Um, the question is not, will people face suffering, but how will we respond when they do? Hmm. Many suffer daily due to poverty, but we don't go out and kill poor people to end their suffering. 
No amount of suffering justifies killing. We have to seek to alleviate suffering, not eliminate the sufferers. We don't kill the unborn just because they will suffer. Hmm. There's a little girl called Sojona Murphy. I'm not sure if I pronounced her first name correctly, but she has what's called trisomy 20, or I'm sorry, trisomy 18. Okay. This was diagnosed in utero when her mom was expecting her. That means that she has a third copy of her 18th chromosome, the tri. Okay. Okay. Um, We normally have one, uh, each numbered chromosome. um, And her parents were told to abort her because her other siblings were going to resent her. And the baby was incompatible with life and carrying this child to full term would ruin their marriage Mm. and she might die if she gave birth. The mother might die. Mm. Um, She chose to remain strong. And even after birth, um, the medical staff who was supposed to be caring for this little girl did not give an expected level of care. Mm -hmm. A nurse who was standing there let her oxygen level drop to a dangerously low level and just stood by while she was gasping for air. The doctor at Sojona's five-month checkup told her mom, you should have let her die. Mm. Um, so Jonah is now six years old and a wow. joy to her family. Wow. They do not know how long she, they will be blessed with her, but the family treasures each day that they have with her, as we should all tra- treasure each day the Lord gives. Mm. Wow. That's a great story. Great story. Um, one of our, personally, one of our sons has Down syndrome. He is one of the greatest blessings the Lord has given to our family. Yes. Okay. I just have to tell you this story. On Sunday, I, I was sitting behind you at church. You were not there yet, but your husband was sitting there. And this this young man literally came running into church, ran over and jumped on your husband's lap and gave him this huge, thoroughly big hug. It was the sweetest thing ever. I just loved it. And your husband just accepted it, the whole thing. It was just... I thought this is his life. You know, he just is big. He is. His life he, is he big. He loves. Yeah. He, you know, loves without reserve. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Sammy, we did not know. Um, I, I didn't get ultrasounds when I was um, carrying him, and we did not do any of the prenatal testing um, because we weren't going to do anything differently right. anyway. Right. Um, and so we did not know ahead of time, but after he was born, um, my midwife said that he had the physical characteristics of a Downs baby, but they would do further testing to confirm. Um, and looking back, we were so thankful for the first 24 hours of what we would call a normal normal hospital time in which our older children and friends could come visit and hold him and um, drink unlimited chocolate milk. That mm. was always my kid's mm-hmm. favorite in the hospital. Um, and it, In the meantime, um, though, for that first 24 hours, we had a larger problem. He was not eating, or uh, nor was his digestive system working. Mm. Um, The Lord's provision was evident time and time again throughout the following four weeks that he spent in the hospital. Um, After 24 hours, an x-ray was ordered, and it showed that he had air in his bowels, which was not a good thing. Mm. Um, He transferred to a larger hospital with a NICU, and while waiting for the results of a biopsy, his bowels perforated. Oh, no. um, so he was sent into emergency surgery. Most of his colon had to be removed, um, and he was given a colonos- a col- colostomy. Um, in the middle of the whirlwind, um, my husband's secretary kindly took off work um, to bring him to the hospital during the surgery because I dropped him off in the morning, and he had no way of getting there. Oh. Um, the nurse assigned to see him that day 
um, had been given the job of a particular treatment periodically. And if she had done this uh, treatment, it would have spread the infection throughout his bloodstream. After the surgery, she came up to me and she goes, that she, she told me she had not performed that procedure and she knew that it was something that had kept her mm. from performing that procedure. Wow. That was the Lord, clearly, yes. you know, keeping her from doing something that she was really assigned to do right. um, and protecting him. Um, mm. Jeremy's company hired, during that time, he, Jeremy's company hired a lawn mowing service to mow our lawn for two months. Wow. Allowing him to spend those hours visiting the hospital and helping with the other children, um, transporting everybody where they needed right. to be, right. um, just freeing us up. A, an unexpected blessing that I yeah. wouldn't have even... Thought, thought that ask. I needed. Right. Yeah, I thought to ask for. Um, friends helped to babysit so I could spend time at the hospital. Um, we had been homeschooling up to that point. And earlier in the year, we had toured and researched a, a school because of another extended family situation that would have required us to place our children in school. That didn't happen. But the Lord had, looking back, the Lord had clearly been preparing us to make mm. a decision to place our children in school. Um and we were already, you know, knew where we were going to send them. Right. And had the plans organized. Had the plans. Yeah. Um, the funding for that, we had been saving for something else. And those funds were exactly what we needed to pay the tuition to wow. put them in school. So um, that purchase was put on hold again. Okay. But that's okay. The Lord knew what we, knew, what we right. needed at the time. Um, the Lord provided a bus to take our children to and from school, which was a half an hour away. Um, sometimes my children were the only children on the bus, and that's wow. when gas was super price oh, high. Wow. Um, wow. Providing cool. me the time to care for Sam and our other non-school age non children without packing mm. everyone up twice a day for pickup and drop off. Um, it doesn't make any, didn't make any financial sense for the school system to provide that bus, but it did make God sense. Mm. Um, and time and time again, we could see the Lord's hand in providing in the most unusual ways what we needed and what we didn't even know we needed. Um, a friend whose baby had recently died had extra breast milk, mm. and she graciously gave it to us to feed Sam, who was having trouble gain, gaining weight, no matter how much we fed him. Mm. Um, even in the midst of what must have been extremely painful at times, Sam would have had, always had the biggest smile on his face, um, even as a young infant. And he still does. He still, he still does. has that big smile. <laughs> he does. Um, there is no pretense with Sam, and he loves unabashedly and is quick to forgive, unlike so many of us. Mm. Um, he's a hard worker, always ready to help with difficult projects, especially when working with dad, um, and does them joyfully. Um, having a child who doesn't fit the world's norm really makes you examine what is truly important in light of eternity. It really doesn't matter. If he's not able to understand calculus or drive a car, what does matter is that he understands the gospel, loves Christ, and serves others because of his love for the Lord. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Hmm. As our other children grow and move out, we look forward to not having an empty nest, but always having our Sam. Hmm. Okay, I love this whole story, Rhonda. And the reason that I love it is because it shows... Well, first off, we love Sam. He is full of life. <laughs> and it shows these, you can, when you went through that, I could see the details. And I think that's so important to remember, God, how he provides in all these kinds of ways. It's just amazing. 
Um, I did want to reference that in episode 111, we um, talked with another person who has a similar story in some ways, and that was um, my friend Katie Dougherty as we talked about a surprising joy in her life, and that is her daughter who also has Down syndrome. And um, she had some really amazing things to say. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I, I encourage you to, okay, go after this one, go listen to that because it also is a reminder that um, Sam's life and my friend Katie's daughter's life are just as valuable as my life or your life in God's eyes. So important to remember. Um, okay, now another hot question that I think a lot of people pull out. It's like the, let's pull this card out and bring it up because they think this is going to be the reason that we can agree that abortion's okay. And that is what about in the cases of rape? Now, I will say, you know, rape is an absolutely horrible situation for anyone. But when it results in pregnancy, what should we do or think about? First and foremost, to anyone who has been raped, it is something horrific and reprehensible. And I am sorry that that has happened to you. The rapist should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. If a child is conceived in rape, we now have three people involved, the rapist, the mother, and the child. Which one of these should be held accountable for the crime? The rapist, of course. Hmm. Should the child be given the death penalty over something that the child had no choice in? The death of the child will not unrape the mother right, and right. take away the pain and trauma, but the abortion would make the mother, the victim in the rape crime, become the victimizer and mm. add another victim, her child, by having her own child killed. Mm. I was involved in an incident a few months ago in which a woman was raped. She does not have a Pinterest perfect life, is not highly educated, but when offered the morning after pill by the medical professionals, she refused, hmm. stating, if I am pregnant, this baby has done nothing wrong. I won't kill it. Wow. Even in her challenging life situation, she recognized the truth of the life of her child and the blessing of life if it had been given. Hmm. I have a friend who was conceived in rape. She is a wife and a mother of multiple children. Did she deserve the death penalty in utero just because of what her biological father did? Did hmm. her husband not deserve his wife? Her children not deserve to be born? Hmm. Those are such good questions. And I, I am really thankful as you told the story about the young lady who decided to keep her baby. You know, that's really a big deal, especially if you don't have a lot of support around you. I also want to mention that if you are listening today and you have been raped, just like Rhonda shared, I am, I am truly sorry. This is something that should never happen to anyone. And I know that God sees your trauma and understands your hurt. And I pray today that you feel the presence of our Savior with you. You know, as I prepared for this episode, I was thinking about the women who might be listening, and I was thinking this might bring back some back memories that might be hard for someone to go through. So I wanted to pause and pray for you. So let me do that. Dear Heavenly Father, I am thankful to you that you are with us, Lord, that you are omnipresent, and that you can be with anyone who's listening anywhere, no matter the time. And I pray that you would encourage women who have gone through this sort of a tragedy, Lord, that you would come alongside of them and comfort them. And I pray, Lord, that I thank you that 
you know, you are with us. And I pray that these traumatic events can be turned in some way to bring glory to you. And I pray that women will reach out to you through these this pain and that you will give them comfort and encouragement, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I feel like it's important to pause because that's such a big, kind of a heavy topic. But it is one that a lot of people bring out as that's the thing, right? But let's talk for a minute about some of the things that we can do to be really practical. Um, when I was in high school and I was part of that Right to Life group that I mentioned, we had these little pins we wore. I don't know if you had one, Rhonda, but um, I'm not sure what even happened to mine. I'm going to look at my jewelry box. I bet it's there. I can get you a replacement. Okay, do it. I, I need one. <laughs> it's just a pair of gold baby feet. I think they're eight weeks. Is that right? Yes. Eight weeks. And they're they're just little and and small, but they're like completely formed. You can see the little baby toes, even the pinky toe on the on the little feet. Everyone should have these. It was kind of, I would say, a passive way to take a stand for this issue um, for God. I can't, I can't even tell you how many people ask me about those feet. You know, like, what are they? You know? Um, and they were just a really, really great conversation starter because isn't that really what the issue is? People don't really know the truth in this. And so something simple like those baby feet are a great thing to have. So I want to give you two questions, Rhonda. First... Um, of these two questions, what are of the mo- what are some of the most important facts a woman should know who's listening today in regard to this pro-life movement? Like maybe she wants to write these down somewhere. Well, in the United States alone, there have been over 64 million abortions since 1973. Wow. 64 million. 64 million. Wow. Let's break this down. Um, that is 2,548 abortions. Per day. Per day. 106 per hour. Wow. One abortion every 34 seconds. Wow. I mean, I don't know how long this episode is, but that to think about how long it's taken us to listen and how many babies have died is devastating. Yes. Um, Let's compare that to something that we have commemorated year after year. There were 2,996 people who died in the 9-11 terror attacks. We kill almost that many unborn children in the U.S. every day under the guise of being legal. Wow. Um, one in four women will have an abortion by the age of 45. Women aged 20 through 29 account for 57% of all abortions. Hmm. One of the most concerning statistics, though, is that 30% of the women who have abortions identify as Protestant and 24% identify as Catholics. Add that together, and that's more than half of the women who have an abortion claim to have a relationship with a church. Yeah. Why are those in the church who should know the truth about the gift of life, the fellowship and love of the body of Christ, seeking abortions in such large numbers. That's a really crazy statistic. It is. Wow. Um, some of the top reasons for having abortions given are 74% say that they ha- that having a baby would interfere with work, school, or the ability to care for dependents. Mm. 73% say they can't afford a child. 48% say they don't want to be a single parent or having trouble with their husband or partner. Abortion is pushed so much in this country. What about the women who are raped? What about the women who are, you know, pregnant because of incest? Those are the big questions. 0.5% of the women cite rape. 0.5% of the women cite incest. 
Wow. So this is a minute amount of people who cite those two. Doesn't And I'm not saying that that is a, a basis right. for killing a child. I, I would argue against that. But what they use as the basis to argue for abortion right. is such a small portion of those children right. who are being killed. Yeah. Um, convenience should never be an excuse for murder. Hmm. Um, what about pain? Would it be okay to kill before we know the baby feels pain? Well, some of the recent studies have shown that pain receptors start forming in the seventh week of life of an unborn child. So if it doesn't cause pain, isn't an abortion okay? Hmm. Well, let's look at Gabby Gingras, an American young woman with a rare condition. Um, it's called a hereditary sensory autonomic neuropathy type 5. Oh, wow. Quite a I've long never name. heard of that before. <laughs> wow. But this presents prevents her from feeling any pain. Okay, okay. As a child, she'd scratch her eyes, Ooh. chewed on her fingers, never feeling the warning signal of pain. Hmm. In spite of the fact that Gabby cannot feel pain, it would still be wrong to kill her because she is a human being right. created in God's image. If the preborn are also human, then the inability to feel pain is not an adequate reason to justify killing them since we would never treat born humans like Gabby that way. The only true difference between Gabby and a preborn child is age, which is reflected by their relative size, the S, mm, level right. of development, the right. L, environment, the E, and degree of dependency, the D, the SLED acronym. Hmm. Wow. When do abortions occur? Well, 93% of them occur in the first 13 weeks. 6% mm. occur in the 14th through 20th week of um, life in the, un, in the womb. 1% occur after 20 weeks. Wow, those are really interesting statistics. I can't even say the word statistics because um, first off, I'm, I'm kind of shocked in some degree that there are people who have an abortion after 20 weeks. Oftentimes, the moms find out about some, some mental handicap or something like, we like that. Like earlier. Oh, or, okay. Or there's trauma happening in the home and they, they come to the point where they okay. think just, they, yeah, they can't do oh, it yeah. or something. Okay. And I'm not surprised about 93% occurring in the first 13 weeks. It's just really crazy to think through all of that though. Yeah. I actually think statistics are very helpful as we process through this because sometimes we don't realize the gravity of the situation. Okay, now I said I had two questions for you. My second question, I had a lot of questions for you today, but my second question is, what are some things a woman can do? Like those little feet I had, what are some good active steps that we could take as women? First of all, we have to start with an examination of ourselves. Is our outlook in line with God's word? Do we see the gift of life as a blessing? How do our actions and words reflect the value of life with those that we speak with on a mm. daily basis? Do we talk about children as trials, burdens, or as right. blessings? Even when they are, tr they are trying at times, right. and the Lord is sanctifying us through those trials, that's part of the blessing of a child. Absolutely. <laughs> revealing our sin. Um, are we thankful for the children the Lord has placed in our life, or are we resentful? Hmm. Our words have meaning, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
our actions and where we spend our time has meaning. Absolutely. Second, are we investing in others? And do we have a voice in their life that when trials come, we can honestly speak with them about the value of life and the truth of God's word when hard choices need to be made? In James 1, the Lord instructs us to count it all joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance, when it has its full effect, will make you perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without fault, and it will be given to him. It is through these trials of life that we are driven to know our need for Christ. Mm. Will we turn to him or our own devices to solve our problem? Or will we trust the Lord and his goodness? Choosing to respond rightly is rarely an easy choice. But most of the time, it is the hardest choice in which we must rely on the Lord, which is exactly where he wants us to be. Mm. My grace is sufficient for you, he says. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest upon me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, Mm. then I am strong. Hmm. Yeah. Third, be informed and act. We are blessed to live in a country where we can vote for our officials, know who is running for office, and vote. Communicate and know what laws are being proposed. Be willing to call and write your state senators and U.S. senators and congressmen. Understand the implications of the laws and how those laws could be applied. Vague laws get applied in unimaginable ways and Mm. situations. Right. Foundation for Life and Greater Right to Life Toledo here in this area, they do a great job of keeping up with proposed legislation and explaining how it could be applied. Foundation for Life and Center for Christian, Center for Christian Values create voting report cards each election to help find out the stances of different candidates on different issues. Mm-hmm. Look up their websites. Be on guard for vague statements or statements um, made with a lot of rhetoric. Mm. Um, For me personally, where a person stands on abortion and the sanctity of life is the beginning of where I vote and often the ending place. You know, we're not going any farther. Whether I would agree with them on 10 other issues, if they're not valuing life, I will not vote for them. I'd rather leave the ballot blank. I agree with you 100%. Um, We must think biblically when casting our ballots. Come to the abortuary. It may be a shock. It's out of the comfort zone. It's not in our little Christian bubble. Um, When they are, uh, you can offer moms help that are entering the facility. Um, Just a year or so ago, we learned of a lady who someone had spoken to her there. I have no clue. I've I've been out there for over twelve years. This is in our local city. This is in our local city. A lady came back with an. Uh, eight or nine-year-old in her back seat. Nobody had any clue that this woman had changed her mind. Wow. Someone had spoken with her. And And eight or nine years later, we know the fruits of... Wow. And we couldn't track down the person. um, The description she gave didn't fit anyone that I knew was out there during that period. Uh, But God But praise the Lord. Yes, God used that person. Yes. Um, And... 
there had been a man there for years before I was there who would just speak hi, mom, to the moms going in. Mm. And unfortunately, he had dementia um, and wasn't out there any longer. But this mom came back and she said, I, my daughter's five mm. because he said, hi, mom, to me. So simple words that you speak to people yes. have a tremendous influence. Yes. Um, but we are called to speak truth, whether it's the person that we've befriended at the store or our, our best friend, um, and speak truth to them. Because in Ezekiel 33, it says, if the watchman sees a sword coming and does not blow the mm. trumpet to warn the people and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person will be taken because of their sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. Mm. We are the watchmen for these little children. Yeah, for sure. Um, there is a story of a young man who was living in Germany. He was a boy at the time. During the Holocaust, he considered himself a Christian. His family went to church um, at a little church not far um, from Auschwitz. Mm. And behind that church mm. was a train track. Um, and every uh, week after week, they would hear the sound of the whistle going and the train of the clack the, and the clacking of the wheels as the train passed by. It never bothered them. They grew accustomed to it. One morning, they heard noises coming from the train. They were the sounds of wailing and moaning. Hmm. They were shocked when they realized that there were people in those boxcars and they oh. were being led away to death. Wow. How did they respond? Week after week, that train whistle blew and they heard the sounds of those poor Jews crying out. It was so disturbing that they devised a plan. Good. They moved up their song service so that the time when the train passed, they would be singing. Oh, no. They sang as loud as they could to drown out the cries. If perchance they still heard them, they just sang a little louder. Mm. May we flee from the temptation to just sing a little louder as the cries of the unborn sound out across our land. Mm. That's a powerful little story. It is. Yeah. And the man, um, it haunts him to this. Well, I think he's passed now, but yes. you know, it as him he, till his death. Till his death. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. Um, be willing to speak in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense for anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. This is to be lived out in our hope in Christ for salvation, but also the application of our salvation and how our life decisions are to be made in light of Christ and who he calls us to be and what he calls us to value. This can be done verbally and in action, as we've referenced before. Mm -hmm. um, are we willing to take a stand on our street, our neighborhood, by putting up a sign in our yard declaring our support for unborn children? It might be uncomfortable, but if you won't speak up for them, who will? Personally, I have neighbors who are very kind to our children and we love. But in our previous November Ohio election, they put up signs in support of abortion we had signs in our yard against the proposed issue of codifying abortion into the Ohio Constitution, including a sign that said, vote yes to kill babies, making it very, wow. very clear. It brought up some deeper discussions with our neighbors, um, which I am thankful for. Mm. And um, we have to be willing to be uncomfortable in light of eternity's values. Yes. yes. Um, fifth, um, we have to pray to change hearts. And for truth to, 
and for truth to prevail. This really should move up on the list, um, but we have to pray for the moms considering the deaths of their children. Pray for their hearts to be softened and for love for their sons and daughters to prevail. Pray that their mom will see this child as a gift from the Lord, no matter how challenging the situation that they're in right now is, and not rationalize their child's life away. Pray for the abortionists and their staff. Pray that they will have no peace in their work. Pray that the scales that are blinding them to what they're really doing will be mm. removed from their eyes, right. and that they will repent and mm. turn to Christ. Um, some of the people who have shed the light on the evils of abortion are those who have been active in the industry. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned the silent scream. Yes. Um, Bernard Nathanson, who was the um, producer of that video, was an abortionist mm -hmm. who performed over 60,000 abortions. He was the former director of NARAL, the National Abortion Rights Action League. Wow. Very active in getting Roe versus Wade um, to the Supreme Court and um, passing. Right. Um but upon the development of ultrasound technology, um, as I said earlier, a picture is worth a thousand words. Yes. It convicted him. The Lord challenged him by what he saw, and he reconsidered and changed his views on abortion. And he became one of the most active voices opposing abortion. Um, we have had some of other people who have come out of the abortion industry have become most of some of the most yes. effective people in influencing people to take a stand against abortion. Um, if you're willing to come and pray at the gates of hell outside the abortuary, speaking words of hope and truth, um, you can be the last voice that that child and that mother will hear before mm. being taken in to be killed. We are called to love because Christ loved us first. Um, pray for the truth to be tr spoken in our churches. Going back to those statistics showing that so many of the women in our churches see abortion as an answer, that it's acceptable yeah. or that it is the only way to get out of their situation. We need to be speaking in our churches about abortion and why it is wrong and, and supporting those in need. Um, mm. Read some of mm. the books I would recommend. Um, Randy Alcorn pro-choice or pro-life examining 15 pro-choice claims. Mm, um, sounds like a good book. It is. A very clear, very articulate, very easy to read in the sense that it's understandable. Um, does birth control cause abortions? Um, these that, are all books. These are all books. Um, and it examines how birth control actually has an abortification um, action behind it. Um, why Pro-Life? All of those are by Randy Alcorn. Um, there's another book called Humanly Speaking by Michael Spencer. Um, the Case for Life by Scott Klusendorf is also a recommended mm. resource. Um, so get involved. Give of your time, talents, treasures, resources. Um, in others, get involved in others' lives, serving moms in need. Be a friend. Be a mentor. Um, physical help tangible or just um, emotional mm -hmm. support to right. people. Um, yeah, there's so many ways to get involved. You can get involved at a pregnancy center, knit baby blankets. Right. What a precious gift, you know, yeah. for a new mom. Um, you know, whatever your skill set, whatever your gifts are, the Lord can use them to serve others. Just be mm -hmm. willing to serve. Um, you can participate 
and on-campus events with a pro-life group like Center for Bioethical Reform or Created Equal. Um, Created Equal is very active here in Ohio and beyond, um, but they are based in Columbus, um, challenging college students' assumptions and beliefs about abortion before they even get to the abortuary. Mm. Putting, they bring pictures and a jumbotron of the victims of abortion and mm. show what abortion truly does to the unborn um, and support for pro-life, full-time pro-life workers. Um, there are a lot of missionaries in the pro-life field and um, right. support them so that they can go out. If you are at home with children, you know, you can't pack them up and you can't go to all the college campuses, but you can you can um, help financially support pro-life workers. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are many. And I can... Refer you to some if you would like. Yeah. Um, well, it's, you know, you gave us so many ways to get involved. That was a long list. And I feel like everybody listening can come up with some way that they can get involved. And one thing we all can do is pray. But I think those are super important, not only to know the, the facts and the details, the statistics, but to also take some steps for action. I like that. You know, um, there are lots of, there's a ministry my mom was involved with that um, did some, would do some counseling for, for girls who were thinking about an abortion. It would give them a free pregnancy test to see if they had it. Then they would give them things and they would help them after. They would support them. They would hook them up. There, and there's ways to get involved that way, very tangible. Then there's ways to do, like you said, you could write to your congressman. You could call their office every day, whatever, you know, and let them know. Like, these are so good. I, I love all this practical practical stuff. Um, one of the things that I kind of wanted to um, end with, um, you know, is to just talk about what are some of the r- common responses to the abortion debate in general for a, quish- a Christian? Like, m- give me some of the good responses and some of the negative ones. Um, if you're addressing a mom considering an abortion, ask how you can help. Ask how you can serve. There is no situation so challenging that it calls for the death of their child and just love them. A lot of them are just feel like they have no answers, even though that's a lie they're believing. Direct them to the truth. Yeah. Speak truth to them. Uh, That's what we're called to do. Whether they refuse it, that's where they stand before the Lord. But we are called to speak truth in love and Mm -hmm. be willing to to serve. Yeah. Um, Our value is not derived from what we can do or some other physical distinction, our values derive simply from being a human being created in God's image. Hmm. And going back to the basic truth of that, um, one of the bad responses is abortion is wrong because the ne- the aborted baby might be the next Mozart or the one who have cured cancer. Hmm. What a person can do does not give them intrinsic worth. The per- child is valuable because they are created in the image of God. Um, that person might be the next child with Down syndrome. Praise the Lord. Hmm. Or some other disability. They are just as valuable as the next Mozart. Hmm. Um, so true. We shouldn't just give up speaking the truth and because they won't listen anyway. Hmm. Christ said, the poor you will always have with you. Does that mean he didn't want us to serve the poor? No, of course not. He called us to serve the poor, give a cup of water, shelter in his name. How we treat others is the same as if we were treating Christ Mm. in that same manner. Will we ignore the unborn just because there are always those who are willing to harm them? No. 
In Proverbs 24, 11 through 12, we are called to rescue those being led away to death, hold back those staggering to slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? When we speak to a mom and others involved in abortion, the response is up to the hearer and the Lord to change their heart. Hmm. Yeah, that's really important. And I, I think it's very easy in our world when we do, you use the word, our church bubble. We can easily stay in our little bubble, never pop out of it, and um, we can sort of ignore this whole concept. I mean, it's very easy to do. And so I love all these things you've given us, some really practical, tangible things to do. We also did an entire episode with Abby Bellis. Um, she did a, She actually spoke at our Regarding Him conference a few years ago on the topic of how to care for someone who has had an abortion. She came from that perspective. Obviously, she would say abortion is wrong as well. But that would be a great one to listen to because there's a lot of practical information on that. And you know, it's important for us to remember that even in abortion, even if you are listening and you have had an abortion, which is sounds like it's relatively common, probably some of our listeners have had an abortion, you can still be forgiven from that. Because the Bible tells us that you, your sin can be taken as far as east is from west, and we can, you can be forgiven by God. And I do encourage you to go before the Lord. And also, I think along with that is this idea of guilt, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Rhonda. What, what does a, a girl who's gone through abortion do with her guilt? In response to someone who has had an abortion, um, I would say we are all sinners in need of a Savior. Yeah. Whether it's an abortion, whether it's lying, whether it's cheating, whether it's stealing, whether it's lust, you know, whatever that sin is, we are all in need of a Savior. Abortion is sin. I'm not going to shy away from that. Right. Um, but repentance and forgiveness and freedom are offered. Um, the grace of God is real. Turn to Christ in repentance, and he will provide healing, forgiveness, and freedom in your life. Be honest. Don't make abortion less than it is, but don't make it more than it is either. Mm -hmm. Do not think that your sin is greater than Christ's salvation. Hmm. I wow, would, that's, a, that's quite the sentence. Say that again. Do not think that your sin is greater than Christ's salvation. Hmm. I would also encourage moms who have had an abortion and repented to share their story with their other children at an appropriate age. Let them know about the goodness of God's grace and forgiveness in light of redemption. A friend of mine had had three abortions prior to her marriage while she was in college. She had never told her teenage boys that they had three older siblings. Hmm. She found it so freeing to tell them, and they were amazed that they had three siblings they knew nothing about, but that they could look forward to meeting them someday in eternity. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I, I was just also thinking about the importance of the church in this, that um, we, as the church, need to be openly talking about this, because women need to be able to share it. I think that's a piece to be able to talk with someone. It might be a good friend that you share it with. I think there's something happens when we keep something hidden. And the reality is we all are, like you said, we're all sinners. We all deserve hell. And it is by God's grace. And I love that that sentence you said, to not think your sin is greater than Christ's salvation. I mean, that's that's something I should like, I don't know, we should make that a bumper sticker or something because we need to remember that Christ forgives. Praise God for that. Mm -hmm. 
Rhonda, as we finish up today, what, what would be some of your final thoughts or advice to the average woman on this topic? Like, what should we, and, you know, I'm putting myself in here, um, be a part of, because I'm a part of this. What should we be doing now? Give us some action steps that we could do, like, I don't know, today or maybe this week. Um, be a friend to those the Lord puts in your path. It doesn't have to be anything fancy or elaborate. Um, you never know who the Lord might put in your path. Um, I remember hearing a story of a couple of ladies at a food court in the mall, and they overheard a conversation of a lady considering abortion. Wow. And they took that opportunity to talk to her. Hmm. Um, Just in the most unexpected arenas, are we being intentional? Are we being purposeful? Are we being too busy in our world and not paying attention to those the Lord's placed in our path, whether at the grocery store or the library? Um, you never know right. how someone is hurting, and the Lord has placed you there for a reason. You're mm-hmm. not there by accident anywhere, whether uh, where, wherever that is. Don't pass up the opportunity in the busyness of the day to serve someone with an encouraging word or a listening ear, and um, be open to those opportunities. Examine your own attitudes and words toward children. How mm. do we speak about them? Do we speak about them as a blessing or a curse? That will influence what others, it snowballs. Mm-hmm. Sure does. <laughs> Whatever your attitude is, it can yeah. be um, good or bad. Pray about how you can get involved. Pick something and put it on the calendar. There are so many things that we want to do. You know, have this person over or do this. But if we don't commit to putting it on the calendar, we most likely will not do it. Yeah. And I wanted to add, I think there is a piece of this um, about you know, being able to know your facts and statistics, like you mentioned. So you're, even if it's just a couple things that you have in your, like, um, you know, you have them in your brain that you can pull out in your conversations. Because some, sometimes knowing those things that are the common reasons people say, you know, abortion should be okay, we can combat those with, with truth, the truth. I mean, that's really what we want to do with this whole episode is bring out the truth what's really happening in our world, what the Bible really says, that's so important. Rhonda, thank you so much for coming on and sharing on this bonus episode. I so appreciate all the time you put into this. I know this was not haphazard and thrown together. I know you put a lot of time in thinking, and I do think it's a topic we should visit now, and we should have this. It's wonderful this is recorded because you can share this with someone who you think might be questioning some things about abortion. Um, I also think it's important that we talk about it because sometimes we become immune to the sin in the world, and we need to be talking about it to remember. Rhonda, would you pray for us today? Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for being the creator and giver of life. We thank you for providing opportunities to serve and to speak up for truth and for the blessing of life that you've given. Help us to value the gift of children and life from conception until rightful death and help Mm. us to show that value in our speech and action. Um, We pray for the moms that are considering abortion today. Pray that they will see that they do have other options, that they will not be overwhelmed by those circumstances that seem to be crowding out Mm. the truth of the life of their child. Um, Pray that they will be willing to accept help, take the, um, give them a heart that loves their child. Um, We also pray for the abortionists and the staffs of those abortion clinics, um, abortion facilities. Um, 
Remove the scales from their eyes. Amen. Give them no peace. Make those places places of torment and turmoil and drive them to repentance. Um, and we just pray for the women who have also had abortions. May they find forgiveness and peace in you mm. and the freedom to um, share their story and to share the hope of your gospel. Um, we pray that we will have the strength to serve friends um, that you place in our path and speak truth and love. Help us um, to protect life in a way that glorifies you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And it's time for this episode's Tiny Tidbit. A tiny tidbit is a small, tiny piece of information that can help you in a really big way. Today's Tiny Tidbit is brought to you from Sarah Desson. Sarah, I'm glad to have you on. Thanks. Glad to be here. Let's hear your tiny tidbit. Okay. So I actually wanted to share a few ways that people can be a blessing to foster parents that they Mm. know. I, I think foster care is a thing that's really needed, but it's not something that everyone is called to. And honestly, until I became a foster parent, I hadn't really thought much about what it might be like for people who are in the throes of foster parenting. So I just wanted to share a little bit, not because I haven't felt loved by people throughout my experience. We honestly, we have truly been helped by so many people. Um, Foster care, it's just dear to my heart now. And so I wanna help encourage others to value and support it. Um, My husband, Josh and I, we have been foster parents for about two years now, and we have fostered two kids so far, two separate placements. And we we also have five kids of our own in our home. So we didn't wanna start out by getting in over our heads and having too many kids. So we took one kid at a time and both of them were with us for about 10 months. Our most recent one left in October. So we don't have a placement right now. And we're just praying right now about whether or not we're going to continue. We felt God prompting us to start the process to become foster parents a few years back. And we went through the training in 2021. And we theoretically knew that going into it, that it was going to be hard. But I think we were pretty idealistic beforehand. And you, you might say, well, all parenting's hard. And yes, that is for sure true. There are real and significant challenges in parenting your own children. And people who don't have kids yet don't get it the same way parents do, you know? Um, but foster care is honestly just, it's a whole different set of issues. And in my experience, it was a different kind of hard. I think other foster parents could tell you the same thing. And I think kid, parents of kids who have special needs also go through some of their own different challenges that are hard for the rest of us to picture. And it's good for us to consider some of those challenges too. Um, But one example that specifically applies to fostering is figuring out how you're supposed to feel about this kid that you're suddenly caring for, how you're gonna love them enough that they feel safe, but not love them so much that your heart gets broken when they leave. Actually, the reality is that you're supposed to let that happen. They need you to love them that much. The only way to actually do it right is to let your heart get broken. And another challenge is just how you share being a mom with this other woman that you've never met and who's obviously in a tough spot and how to figure out how to do that without her feeling like you want to replace her and also how you can show the love of Christ to her. Another challenge is how to figure out the completely, how to handle the completely sassy and disrespectful behaviors that suddenly enter Mm -hmm. your home when you can't really discipline the kid the way that you would discipline your own kids. And the regular visits with mom kind of reinforce the behaviors and wipe out the progress that you feel like you're making. 
And how, how do you help your family move on when that, this child that they loved as their sibling for the past year is just no longer their sibling? That's a real loss. So anyway, those are a few of the challenges, but there are definitely blessings along with it. You learn so much and there's joy in serving families this way and seeing your kids get stretched and grow in their faith. The blessings just come with some bittersweet things. There's strain on your marriage, there's strain on your friendships, and honestly, a whole element of spiritual warfare is going on. So I just wanna encourage everyone to look for ways to bless foster parents because they're doing something hard and they really do need you. Like honestly, they probably feel a lot more alone than they really want to admit. They might not be seeing any obvious fruit of their work. And they might feel like if they talk to people about how hard it is, people are thinking, well, this is what you signed up for. You're the one who wanted to be a foster parent. You didn't have to do it. But they did it to honor God out of obedience. And sometimes obedience is hard. So one thing is to not tell them, I could never do what you're doing. Foster parents hear this all the time. It's either, I would get too attached and just love them too much, which to be honest, kind of implies that we are not attached or loving them all that much, so it's not that hard for us. Even though I know that's not what you mean when you say that. Or sometimes people say, you're just so incredible for doing this. If you, It would just be too hard for me. And the reality is that it is really hard for us too. We're just willing to do this hard thing because God called us to do it, and we're trying to obey through it, even though it's with a lot of mistakes along the way. So we really do need your encouragement, but not as a comparison. The best thing to do when a friend is having a hard time is to point them to the Lord. Another way to help foster parents is to just treat the child that they have like one of our children. Learn their name, care about them, because we care about them. Ask about them. A lot of people in my church really have done this and it has been such a blessing to me. Also, foster parents are only allowed to leave foster kids with people who have been background checked and are over 18. So this was a huge setback for my husband and I who had gotten used to having our teenagers babysit for date nights. We had to ask our friends to get fingerprinted and then we'd have to ask those specific people whenever we wanted to have a date night or if we had a wedding or something. And you just kind of feel bad asking when the foster kid you have is not the most pleasant kid mm. to be around. So often foster parents just kind of don't get out much. Not that they don't want to, they just kind of feel stuck and they don't want to have to nag people to get fingerprinted or beg that same friend to watch the kid again. Does it cost to get fingerprinted? No, it's free and it's actually super easy. You just have to go downtown to um, the Lucas County Children's Services or whatever county you're in. Usually it's a quick process, yeah. it's like five minutes. Um, and take your, and there'll be some specific things that you need. But ask the, you know, ask the person that you're you want to do your printed for, for yeah. what you need to take. And nice. Yeah, it's 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 a simple process, and it is such a blessing. Um, if the foster parent has like ten or more people on their list of people who have been fingerprinted, then that makes their life so much easier. Sure. Um, and then. If you get fingerprinted, specifically tell the foster parents that you're going to take the kid for a date night without being asked. That would just be such a blessing to them. I had a friend who did that, and she just made me feel so loved. I also had a friend who brought me a meal when we had our first placement, right when we got her, and when she was three months old. And that was just really nice because it was like, we are still getting to know her. She was a new baby. It was just a, it was a blessing. Um, 
And then another way you can bless foster parents is just acknowledging the loss when the child leaves. Mm. Um, sometimes foster families don't get super attached to the kids they're placed with, especially if it's for a shorter time. But often it is a significant loss to their family. And the first time around with our first placement was a lot harder for us than this last one was. And um, we had some friends who came over with this whole box of goodies and a car that they were praying for us. And it just blessed us so much. Um, not that foster parents need that every time a kid leaves their home, but even just an acknowledgement, um, especially if it was longer placement. Because so, you're really grieving. Yeah, you are. I mean, it's a loss. So, yeah, so those are just a few ways to, to bless foster parents. And so if you know people who are foster parents, reach out to them and tell them that you're praying for them. And then really do pray because mm-hmm. they need it. Hmm. That's great. And I love that these are tangible things that anybody can do. Yeah. It is great to foster children, but it's also okay if that's not where God has put you, but you can still support those people. Definitely. They need a team. Like it's something that people can't do on their own. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah. Thanks for letting me share. so much for listening. Join us actually for, since this is a bonus episode, you could listen to our other episode that is released today. That specifically was from our mom-to-mom ministry called The Laundry Room, and it's how we can find glory in the ordinary. The things we do every day in our homes, how they bring glory to God. Great episode. Also, join us next week as we will be going, jumping into our installment of Everyday Theology. Everyday Theology is just us talking through how we can use God's Word in our everyday life. And we've invited lots of different women to talk on this once a month, the first Thursday of each month. So join us for that next week. Don't forget to like or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. You can find us at Women of the Word CTW. There is great content there. We release a new um, podcast episode every Thursday, and you get to hear about it on there. We have a blog post that comes out, lots of good content. Also, you can find us, Unshaken, on any of your favorite podcast directories, so go and subscribe. You can find us at Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Podbean. We're even on Spotify. And really, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. We drop a new episode each and every Thursday, and sometimes we drop a bonus like today. Remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and fortress, because of God. Until next time. Mm -hmm.